Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Routes, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is we continue to address the issues between rural and urban America. Speaking of the issues between rural and urban America, as a result of my loose tales today, I've had some interesting dialogue take place. It is quite clear in my mind that people flock to living in a city, and then the city creates fear. It's impossible for people to live in a big city without living in fear. It obviously is. That has really nothing, maybe it does, I don't know, to do with Brett Lloyd joining us from Jacksonville, Florida. Are you pulling your shirt down I thought you were going to say fueled (laughs) by meat, and I was going to point at the bacon. Hey, we are fueled by bacon. You're getting ahead of me here. Coming to us from Florida. What a pleasure. You know, I just wanted to say that uh, a lot of people say there's so much negativity on social media. I'm just going to tune it out. Well, I think you're looking in the wrong places because there's also a success story of healthy journeys that people are archiving on social media. That's exactly how I found Brent Lloyd coming to us. He had, after decades, these are his words, I'm not putting words in his mouth, decades of mental health challenges. He's of clear mind. I can tell that because he says, keep calm, eat bacon. What could be more clear than that? How are you, Brett? I'm very well, sir. Thank you very much for this opportunity to share my experience with your audience. How long have you been in space? Uh, well, I was uh, taking compliantly medications that were supposed to help me for over 20-some years, so I spent a lot of time in space then. I didn't get healthier. I didn't feel better, but I was in space. Yeah. And, uh, you got. I got this old boring cowhide behind me, and you got, like, earth. Welcome to Earth, third rock from the sun. Yeah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> well, I'm actually, this room is rather, it, it's a recording studio, and there's garbage everywhere for the most part. It's a very unkempt room. So this this keeps me from having to clean my room up. You're a musician. I am. I am indeed. I uh, played guitar and sang publicly in clubs all over the southeastern United States for over 20 years. And uh, when I got too sick to do that, because when you're severely, chronically depressed, people tend not to want to work with you after a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, I am a studio musician as well, and, and I've written a few albums of no particular note, and I get by. Uh, what genre? Uh, I write primarily for myself, uh, more of a progressive type kind of rock and roll. Uh, I also have a blues project that uh, extraordinarily talented lady named Kimmy Wade who does the lead vocals for that. She's, uh, she's like a, a Janis Joplin with, with more guts, if you can imagine it. And I also have a symphonic rock project that I, I write and record for as well called uh, Epiphany Rain. And the, the blues project's called Dark Hearts Blues. And my stage name, if anybody's interested, you can find my music under the moniker of Stickman Bleeding or under my real name, Brett Lloyd. Why do you have a stage name or a pen name for as a musician? I, you know, it was started with a nickname. I Stick my man. very first my very first piece of music I ever got to record in a recording studio that somebody else wanted me to do uh, was, geez, a long time ago machine. 
1991 or so. And uh, I was all excited. And when I got my copies, it was for this uh, uh, kind of easy listening, motivational type kind of cassette this man had put together. Hmm. And uh, I was really excited here. I, you know, I've got, I'm carrying my work in my hands. And uh, I had some friends of mine who at that time were just like me. They, they, were, they were a little more advanced in musicianship and stage time and experience, but they were just trying to make a living, play music in bars and clubs too. And I took that to them and said, here, I want you to listen. Tell me what you think. And one of the pieces on there was entitled The Stick Man. Oh. And they liked it so much, I walked into the club the next time, and I didn't hear, hey, it's Brett, or hey, everybody, look who just got here. I heard, hey, stick man. <laughs> and then a week after that, I'm at a mall 30 miles away, mill doing, doing whatever, and I hear the words, hey, there's stick man. No way. So, and I was skinny then. I, I wasn't, I hadn't, I hadn't gained a gazillion pounds. And uh, so I, I just, I became the sick man. And uh, then later on, as my mental illness progressed, uh, I was dissatisfied with uh, my music sales, so I thought I needed to adjust my name a little bit. And uh, sick man bleeding seemed appropriate at the time. Hmm. And I've kind of stuck with it, and that's really kind of what, how people who are interested in what I do musically, that's how they know me. And so uh, your, your mental health challenges, depression, is that the, the lead I suffered from I suffered from severe chronic depression, anxiety, and insomnia for over 40 years of my 59 years. 40 life. years? I started experiencing depression symptoms around the age of 15, yeah. Wow. I, I know that via the benefit of clear eyes today. Sure. Hindsight. Mm-hmm. But I was experiencing sleep disruptions and, and issues with mood, and I was very skillful at keeping it to myself. And, how, uh, how do you do that, Brett, for 40 years and then? Well, I didn't what? keep the depression to myself. When I was young, I kept it to myself. Right. Uh, my life started, I, I, depression for me was an extreme dissatisfaction with life. I was a very angry, depressed person. And on underneath the, all that anger and dissatisfaction was an enormous pit of darkness and shadow and sadness that is just almost impossible to articulate accurately. And uh, I worked in the mental health field in my 20s. Really? Before I grew my hair long and picked up a guitar. And I uh, was completely oblivious to what was going on in my own life, except later on, after again, clear eyed, I, I recognized that uh, I was very adept at sabotaging myself. I would have come up with long-term plans and ideas that I genuinely believed were feasible, doable, and logical. <laughs> that when I look back on them now, it was just crazy town. Just cloudy. Um, you know, my mind was always working against me. And then I was, I was diagnosed in 1990 and uh, did 16 days at River Park Hospital in Huntington, West Virginia, and uh, was told that I could probably count on taking medication for most of the rest of my life. I took Prozac for a time, but that was very expensive. This was the early 90s again, and uh, it wasn't until 1995 when I started experiencing really severe panic attacks 
And the doctor told me, he said, you, you're suffering from depression. You need to go on meds or you're going to have a very uncomfortable time of things. And so I accepted, you know, man in a white coat. We're in the stethoscope. Absolutely. I took him at his word. He's, he's the professional. And so I started taking Prozac, which I took for the better part consistently every day as prescribed for over 22 years. And uh, for a time, it would work a little bit. I'd feel a little better, be a little more normal. But then after a few months, my mood would crash, usually for an inexplicable reason. And, you know, this, I called it the illness wellness cycle because the periods of wellness gradually got shorter over the years and the periods of illness got greater. Every time I, my mood would crater, it would take longer to dig out of the ditch. Um, then fast forward to 2006, I had a, due to a familial event, I don't get into specifics about, I had a classic nervous breakdown. I didn't sleep more than an hour or two a night for six to eight weeks. And when you wow. go without sleep at that level, very bad things start to happen to you. Everything's a challenge. I uh, started hearing children playing in the yard when there was nobody home but me. Mm-hmm. My diagnosis got, I graduated from major depression to major depression with psychotic features. They finally put me on a drug called Remeron and I got to sleep for two weeks. It was glorious. Uh, and Remeron stands out because I also gained like 25 pounds in two weeks. It's a notorious weight gainer. And after that two week period, the Remeron stopped working. And I went for another six weeks with only an hour or two of sleep. And this crazy merry-go-round of try this med, try that med, try this combo began. And finally, the doctor stopped my free fall with this, this medicine called Symbiax, which was a combination of Prozac and an antipsychotic medication whose name I can never remember because I can't pronounce it very easily. Uh, that stopped the free fall, but there was a heavy price to pay for that. I would sleep 10, 12 hours a night and then have to take one or two two-hour naps every day. And I was pretty much a non-functional lump. That yeah, looks like a good place to jump in here. We are going to take a break. Brett, Brett Lloyd, my guest, coming to us from Florida, the stick man. We'll get to more of that soon. Certified Piedmontese, creating opportunities to add value and capture the value with the beef cattle you produce. Get more details. It's all centered around the Piedmontese cattle and the Myostatin gene details for you at LoneCreekCattleCo.com. It's Certified Piedmontese. We'll be back with more Brett Lloyd after this. Welcome back to Roll Route. Trent Luce here alongside Brett Lloyd joining us from Florida. And we are actually just walking through your health journey, Brett, for the last, well, since you were 15. last 45 years is what it amounts to. And uh, you can pick it up from there. At the end of 2008, I told myself, I can't keep living like this. I've got, something's got to change. Uh, and the event that inspired that breakdown and whatnot, I, I felt like I came to terms with it and told my wife, I'm going to get better. I've got to. This is just ridiculous. And uh, I did start feeling a little bit better. And I started complaining to my wife, I've gained all this weight because of these meds. I was probably at that time, I'm only six foot tall. And by that time I was about 260. And, uh, 
she said, well, I've heard about this Atkins diet. Why don't you look into that? And I just kind of read the first paragraph on the page. Oh, remove starches, eat a lot of meat, a few fruits, watch your sugar. I, I can do that. So I cut out potatoes and I cut out bread and I went on the Atkins diet and I lost like 35, 40 pounds. My mood got better, but at no time did we make a connection that my mood improved because of the diet. Oh, no doctor ever suggested to me, well, your reason you're feeling better is because your diet's better. Well, of course they didn't. And, uh, so I got to go to my 30-year high school reunion. There's pictures. My affect looks great. I had a wonderful time. I had a really good year from 2009 to July of 2010. And But uh, about May of 2010, I was thinking, you know, I'd really like to eat cake and ice cream again. And, and, and treats, you know, if, if, I, <laughs> if I get fat again and put all that weight, I just go back on Hankins and lose it. Right. Well... Fast forward to a Sunday evening in July of 20, uh, 2010. I'm at Mass. I'm a thankful Catholic convert. And it's right before comfort, right before communion, and we're praying. And then I am hit with this. If you don't get out of here and leave right now, something very bad is going to happen. Hmm. Like a prescient warning. I wasn't anxious wasn't disturbed. It was just out of nowhere. And it was so strong that I did, for me, you know, running out of church before communion is just atypical as it can be. And 15 minutes later, I'm on my couch bawling like a baby, and I don't know why. And this began the worst of the worst from 2010 to January of 2015. We had to move. My wife's job got transferred. I was unemployable completely. Um, trying to find doctors moving to a town where I knew nobody and no family, no friends. And, you know, trying to find a doctor then is like, you know, baiting a hook and throwing it out and hoping you catch something that's good for you. And uh, finally found a, a nurse practitioner who understood enough. And she kind of semi-stabilized me for a few months with a drug called Seroquel. And for a time I thought that might be the answer. I, my, level of function increased. I was able to write a couple of albums of music. And, uh, but then after about eight months, I started falling deeply into the ditch again. More meds, different combinations. They started, you know, epilepsy medicines, antipsychotic medicines, all sorts of things. Fast forward to January of 2015, Trent, I, Weigh 285 pounds. Um, my psychiatrist is telling me I should seriously consider electroshock therapy and or a long-term hospitalization. And things are not looking good. And in the back of my mind, I'm still very much aware of what I knew from my experience in working in the field that chronic mental illness will carve out, cut off a third of your life if you're not careful because of the stress to your heart, your system, right. and all the medications and the damage that they do. So I honestly, I, at, at the age of 57, well, I was 56, not quite 57, or however old I was, 2015, I can't do my math right now, I was 54. Anyway, I honestly didn't think I'd live out the year. And uh, 
I had been able to write music well enough and I'd put a Craigslist ad because I had written these blues songs that I knew I couldn't sing well. And this extraordinarily talented lady answered, answered it. And her name's Kimmy Wade and she plays a significant part in my being alive today. She's watching a lot of this and she, uh, she asked me one day, she's like, have you ever heard of medical marijuana? Now as a musician, marijuana was everywhere. Sure. I had a bad experience with it when I was young. I didn't touch the stuff. I was the guy passing left, passing right, rehearsals, mm-hmm. gigs, whatever. Because beer was legal, and that was enough for me if I wanted to alter myself. So I'm like, well, I'm aware of what's going on in Colorado and different states with medical marijuana. I'll take a look. And I did some searching and found some anecdotal evidence that people were experiencing symptom improvement a higher, better quality of life. And my wife and I talked about it and we're like, what do we have to lose at this point? We've done everything. I was a compliant patient. I took my meds. I did those stupid workbooks. I didn't miss doctor's appointments. I followed the directions as best I could. I just got worse. And uh, so we said, what, why not? Why not try it? My wife, we secured four grams of flour. My wife found a can of butter recipe on the internet and she made these little cookies. They're about the size of a quarter. Keto cookies, I guess. They weren't carnivore for sure. And I was so scared of these things, Trent. I, 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 the first one I broke in half and I'll never forget this. I, I, I ate that silly half a cookie. And after like 10 or 15 minutes, it was like a thousand suns had lifted off me. I wasn't high. I just didn't feel like crap anymore. Right. For the first time in years. And then about 45 minutes later, the high kicked in. And I learned that cannabis did something all those medicines never did. It actually treated my symptoms. It didn't eliminate the illnesses, but my quality of life exploded by comparison. My wife came home that day. And she's like, are you okay? I'm like, what do you mean? Well, I had a smile on my face. And uh, she didn't know how to take it because she didn't really think it would work. And uh, so for the next few days, you know, I, I'm half a cookie here and, and, and I'm, I'm trying I'm becoming more aware of things. I'm not as angry. I'm not as frustrated. I'm able to communicate a little bit better with my wife. And then uh, 10 days into it, I... Brett, let I, me ask you a question first. Sure. At, at that time that you start the half a cookie, had you also given up all of those prescription medications? No, I was still taking the prescription medications. Okay. All right. You don't cold turkey that stuff. That's, that's, that's very dangerous. <laughs> uh, but... I'll get to the medication part of this very soon. Ten days into that, I'm tying my shoe and my belly's in the way. And I'm, I recognize my belly's in the way. And, and, and it freaked me out. And I go and I look at myself in the mirror with clear eyes for the first time in a long time. And I see how close to death I really am. At six foot tall and 289 pounds, I was, I was a imminent stroke and or a heart attack just waiting to happen. Right, And that day, I, I immediately told my wife, I, I back on the Atkins diet tonight, 
and uh, I've got I've got to I've got to make changes, or I'm not going to live out here. And I started walking the dog half a block here, a block there. Then I started wondering, well, how far am I walking? And I got a little mapping program and found out how far away a half mile was, so I could do a one mile walk and then a two mile walk. And by the end of 2015, I was off the antipsychotics and all the uh, mood stabilizers and antidepressants completely. By the end of 2016, I was off the Ativan that I was on for anxiety for over eight and a half years. And by the end of 2017, I was off the insomnia medicine for the first time in eight and a half years. So how many total medications was that, Brett? Well, it varies Mm. (laughs) what year it was. Wow. Um, I mean, I, I, I can give you a short list. Uh, there was Prozac, Seroquel, Abilify, Lamactyl, uh, Lexapro, um, a whole bunch more. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it just constantly they were trying. Wellbutrin, Zoloft. Um, I tried. They, they they had me on Valium for a short period of time for my anxiety, which was just horrible. Uh, I, my my brain chemistry was altered by medications for close to 25 years, and I have not taken any pharmaceutical medication since the end of 2017 because I haven't needed it. And that's where we'll pick it up when we come back. If you watched The Stand at Paxton County, I continue to get great reviews from individuals that I know, and it's the message that everybody needs to hear and see and know this happening. Animal rights organizations work with local officials to attempt to take your animals away. Watch The Stand at Paxton County on Netflix and then send me a note and tell me what you think. We'll be back with more Brett Lloyd and his journey of health after this. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Trent Luce, World Route to the program. Brett Lloyd joining us once again from Florida with his personal life journey. At the end, by by the end... By May of 2018, I had lost 94 pounds mm-hmm. walking, low carb. And then the same friend who told me about medical marijuana or suggested I look into it messaged me and says, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, you got to watch every video on YouTube by this guy named Dr. Jordan Peterson. You're going to love him. I never heard of the man. <laughs> and... Uh, she was right. He's uh, he's a clinical psychologist. I don't know if you're aware of the gentleman or not. I am aware. Okay. And uh, I loved his, his videos, and I'm a big fan of his belief in personal responsibility, you know, taking care of yourself before you start trying to impose order on the world. <laughs> and uh, I became a fan, and it became part of my routine you know, 420, I'd have me a half a cookie or a cookie, and I'd look for a Jordan Peterson video. And I came across a 30-minute cutout of him on Joe Rogan, where he articulated very clearly how his daughter, Michaela, figured out through experimentation that if she only ate beef, salt, and water, her depression symptoms and her severe arthritis went into remission. Now, if there's anybody but a man like, if it's anybody but Jordan Peterson, somebody I believe is, has great integrity, I'm changing the channel. Sure. Because, are you serious? Just by eating? If that was true, somebody would have told yeah. me by now. 
Uh, let me just add, Brett, if you heard me say that, you would have said, of, of course he's going to say that. He's a beef producer. I wouldn't have thought beef, that deeply. Beef I wouldn't and, have thought, oh, okay. All right. But I the average, the typical person would, they look at me and say, well, of course you raise beef and you raise bacon. Of course, you're, you're going to subscribe to that theory. I would have thought the whole notion was crazy because, A, when I worked in the mental health field in the inpatient mm-hmm. setting as a counselor, there was never a discussion of diet unless they were diabetic. Right. Never about anything to do with their illness. Uh, I want to interject something just because I found it in the past week, thanks to my own daughter, who is now a registered dietitian. In 1923, before the advent of insulin, and medications. The treatment for diabetics was a diet consisting of 75% fat, 17% protein, 6% alcohol, 2% carbohydrates. And it, the, the article actually goes into great depth in saying that over a period of time, as doctors had access to pharmaceuticals, they stopped telling people to adjust their diet to prevent diabetes. Holy cats. Just think what we knew in 1923 that we've moved away from that I'm hearing you say you're back to understanding as it relates it, to really mental health. It's really interesting. I, 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 along with that, I read this book by this gentleman named Stephenson called uh, Not By Bread Alone, The Fat of the Land. And he was uh, with the uh, Inuit and the Eskimos oh, in sure. the early 1900s. Yeah. And, you know, all they, there's nothing grows up there. <laughs> and they were living and thriving seal just fat. fine on meat. On meat seals and fat, and fat yep. Um, no, their, their diet was, I think, 90% fat. At it, that was, time. it was a much higher fat content than what I eat, for sure. Correct. Uh, and if they hadn't taken up cigarette smoking, they would still probably be some of the longest. <laughs> so what what is your diet like today? Today, I well, I started the carnivore. Well, let me get this so it's in context. I started the carnivore diet because after I found Jordan Peterson, I started searching, and then I found Dr. Sean Baker on Joe Rogan. Sure. Again, impeccable integrity, Air Force combat surgeon. They just Mm -hmm. don't let anybody do that. So I must have watched the the dietary component of that interview 50 times because now I'm thinking, this is too good to be true. There's got to be a flaw in the logic. Well, there was none. And then the next – in my research, I found a talk from Amber O'Hearn given in 2017 at Keto Fest where she explained in a way, this guitar player, I was never into nutrition. I didn't know, you know, balanced. Breakfast is the most important, you know. I, I was programmed <laughs> and believed all that nonsense. She explained in a way I could understand how we literally as a species came down out of the trees because we and grew these enormous brains. Because we meat. Yeah, And I told my wife, I got to sink or swim. I got to do this. July 16th of 2018, I began eating only animal source protein and fat. Ten days into it, Trent, I woke up. I didn't have joint pain for the first time as an adult. Now, I never was diagnosed with arthritis, but I had, you know, by that time I'm 57. Sure. I've, I've, I've fallen down and gone boom a few times. I've got some aches and pains. But you wake up and they're gone. I'm skipping down the sidewalk at six in the morning on my two mile walk. I was taking in, giggling like a little boy because it feels so good and it doesn't hurt. 
After 10 days, I might remind exactly. you. Exactly. 10, 10 days. And then on the 24th day, and I get emotional about this every time because I'm walking and, and you know, I'm, I'm conscious of so many things. I, 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 I don't want to psych myself into feeling better. I don't want to give myself a false sense of wellness. Mm-hmm. But I'm walking along, and it's like a switch has just flipped, a relay. And all that rage and all that sadness, it just vanished. It just went away. And it was replaced by a waterfall of joy and happiness that has not left me for one day since. And that's why I do these talks, because people need to know you're not broken. You're not a genetic mishap. You're not some freak. You were just taught to put the wrong things into your mouth. I haven't had a down day since. Life, real life still happens. There have been sad moments. I lost my father in April. Type 2 diabetics. Lost his life to end-stage renal disease. I was there for the last three weeks of his life helping to take care of him. It was sad, but there was still a lot of wonderful, beautiful things that happened in that experience. And I didn't have down days. Those were appropriate days to be sad. Your father's dying. Right. But it wasn't the end of the world. You know, if the car won't start, Oh my God, what are we going to do? <laughs> Those kinds of things are just, just, just would floor me and I would be literally incapacitated. But now life is, Glorious. It's not perfect, but it's happy. And I will, I've only eaten meat and drank water since about the third week of July. The first two weeks, I did eat egg, bacon and eggs and steak. Eggs stopped being satisfying. That's why I quit eating them. Really? And the first four or five months of carnivore, I ate a variety of meat, but I always had bacon because when I was researching how to how to do the diet, I discovered the biggest complaint and problem for folks in the beginning was getting bored or tired of, of eating just meat. And I could intellectually understand that, but they were all just eating like rib, a ribeye or a thing of ground beef. They were, they were mixing things up. And I thought, there's never been a meal in my life that I had bacon that I didn't enjoy. Bacon was never like my favorite, but that thought just came to me. So I made it a point from day one, I would, whatever else I ate, I would always have bacon. And then in December, and, and I ate a variety of meats, you know, pork shoulder roast, steak, fish, shrimp, all of it with bacon was delicious. But then I discovered in December of 2018, Trent, this extra lean ground beef, 90-10 and 93-7. And, you know, we're taught, I, here's how I was taught to do the diet. Only eat when you're hungry. When you're hungry, only eat meat until you're not another bite full. Only eat the meat you crave and can't afford and never, ever put a sweet taste into your mouth. Right. That's all I've done. So we're at, we're at a big box store at the meat counter, and there's these tubes of this 90-10 meat. And suddenly, in, in the middle of... You know, all these ribeyes and porterhouses and filet, that stuff looks 
beautiful to me. And I just tell my wife, we got to get some of this. And it's still to this day is the most satisfying meat on planet earth I've ever eaten. That protein rich lean ground beef is extremely satisfying. And so every day since December of 2018, whenever I get hungry, I have only consumed, with the exception of three or four times when I was out of town, I ate something different. But I've only eaten the lean ground beef and bacon. And every bite of every meal is like the most insanely delicious thing I've ever put in my mouth. And I'm completely satisfied. It has to be a challenge when you travel, though. Not really, because you plan, you prepare. Oh, yeah, well, I've never been accused of that, Brett. (laughs) <laughs> you know, uh, like for instance, when I had to go help take care of my father, right? Um, you know, we we fixed a pound and a half of bacon and put mm-hmm. it in a baggie because I I, I checked the, the airports that I would be stopping into, and uh, I wouldn't be able to get from point A to point B and make my flight in time, right? So I just ate bacon on the plane. Yeah, that sounds. And awful. that got me through. Yeah, but it's just a bad day when you have to just have to eat bacon to get from one flight to the next. Brett, I'm going to jump in here and take a break. We will come back and finish up this conversation, personal health. And I think my overall message is that uh, we have so many entities, including the individuals putting forth the dietary guidelines who want to demonize meat. I don't know, Brett, if I subscribe that everybody ought to be on the carnivore diet or not. I think everybody ought to make their choices based upon them, themselves. You have done that. And uh, do not demonize any one thing, in particular, bacon. Yeah, I'm just telling you, that's what it is. I also want to remind you that Neogen creates opportunities as well. When I talk about the certified Piedmontese system, we verify that the myostatin gene is present. That's the gene that is responsible for tenderness. We have a whole plethora, I mean a serious plethora of genes that we can look at to improve the performance, to improve the health, to improve food safety. Make the food business even more predictable than it already is. Get details about what gen is, uh, Neogen is doing by looking at the genes. It's all about determining whether the alleles that are desirable are present. And uh, we can look inside the genomic makeup of these animals now. And it's just about improving the efficiency, health, and well-being. To be redundant. It works on food animals and or pets. Details about the system at Neogen.com. The beef system we use is called Igenity. We'll get more details about all of that as we go along. More from Brett Lloyd and Roll Out after this. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Roll Route to the program. Brett Lloyd joining us from Florida as a uh, Welcome back, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. We are into our final segment here today with Brett Lloyd joining us from Jacksonville, Florida. Man, he's been through a, what a lifetime, Brett, you've uh, overcome. Before we get back to you, Brett, I want to remind folks that the All-American Beef Battalion, Bill Brody, I was going to get him on, Vietnam veteran that wanted to make sure that our kids today were not treated like they were treated during the Vietnam War when people came home, all of the Horrific things that happened to the Vietnam veterans. 
And so what Bill Brody did was put forth the All-American Beef Battalion. It was about providing a meal, a one-pound ribeye, cheesy potatoes, corn, a dinner roll, and dessert. Most importantly, a handshake to say thank you. The All-American Beef Battalion's been doing it now for 13 years. Get details and learn how to be involved, whether it's monetarily or just showing up. The All-American Beef Battalion is going to be back in the trenches feeding the troops very soon. Steaksfortroops.com is the place to get more details about that. All right, Brett, you just uh, made your way through the airport. And I know bacon is best. I'm not going to argue that. But maybe there are other things that you could be a part of or utilize in your journey. I I make these uh, meat sticks of our own pigs. Uh, They would be perfect for what you're talking about. Sounds good. (laughs) I like the thought. Yeah, it is. They are really good. You know, I, I, I listened to your story, and my real pet peeve in today's nutritional world is as much as we've been screwed up in our nutritional advice and the USDA and Health and Human Services won't look at the science behind what led you to make these decisions, which in your own words, you said, I didn't, for the first time in my life, I didn't have uh, adult life. I didn't have a, a pain, a joint pain. And these kids, we, we do not feed them properly. We minimize the impact of protein and fat. We put them on high-carb diets. Then they act like they can't pay attention. So then we put them on some drug to try to help Johnny with ADHD when, in fact, it's just a dietary problem. What we're doing to our kids and their diet, it just drives me insane, literally, Brett. I'm a, I mean, that, that's the message I'd like to get across to the nation is get your kids on the right diet. Oh, I I, I cringe when I think about the damage being done, the, the, the misinformation mm-hmm. that, we, that has been ingrained into our society for decades. You know, fiber is essential. Fiber is healthy. Well, no, it's not. It inflames the human digestive tract. And that's usually the first question. You only eat meat. Right, I bet you suffer terrible constipation, don't you? I've had zero moments of constipation. In yeah. 696 days of eating meat and drinking Not water. that you're counting. Not that I'm counting, no. <laughs> my my two-year anniversary is next month. I'm excited about that. Yeah, that's awesome. But but you're right in, in about what it does to our kids. And, and I didn't fully comprehend, of course, when I was sick. You know, I would hear about kids on Ritalin and all that. And my initial response was, that's just from my own past clinical experiences. That's just too darn young for a kid to be taking medications on that. Right. It's just Absolutely. crazy. But you know, the issue with it is a dietary problem. All of that is a dietary problem. It wasn't like kids just started being fidgety in school just a couple of decades ago. That's not a new phenomenon. What do we have to drug them for? Right. Yeah. Spot um, on. And, and it, it's really a sad situation, and I think it's going to take a dramatic event and or gotta hit the wall. Millions of people like me, right? And you and Sean Baker and yeah. others. Sean's been on this program; he's outstanding. Oh, he's uh, an incredible individual. You know, the other thing that I marvel at, Brett, is that you spent forty years, thanks to medical doctors, by the way, uh, trying to kill yourself. 
trying to shut down all of your organs with the prescription drugs that you were on and look at you today after a short five years of eating something that alleviated all of those pains, fixed your mental health, how quickly the body recovers when you give it a chance. Isn't that amazing? Oh, it it is incredible. And and I've been healed of things that I never thought possible. My eyesight improved. I used to have to wear glasses to drive a vehicle. And uh, I got that restriction put on me when I still lived in South Carolina. So uh, last year, I had to get my driver's license renewed here in Florida. And I took my glasses with me and I told the lady, okay, I've got my glasses. I'm ready to read the line. She said, sir, by law, I need you to try to read the line without your glasses once. And Trent, I read the bloody line. Clear as day. (laughs) And my wife and I are looking at each other going, are you serious? And the woman pulled up, bless her heart. I've got a really great picture that she let me take from her computer screen. She pulled up my original driver's license picture and then side by side was my new picture. And it looked like two different human beings all together. Pretty remarkable. And, And who knew that would happen? I had horrible skin issues. My el- I had really bad eczema. My elbows, heels, and ankles were cracked and at times almost to, to the point of bleeding. Mm-hmm. I had a horrible flaky scalp. I had a lot of skin tags. I lost most of the skin tags. My elbows, heels, ankles, and, and scalp, all that's resolved completely. You didn't get uh, your hair back, though, Brad, I'm saying. I didn't get my hair back, doggone it. Yeah. Well, you know what I say when they ask me about being bald, by the way? I tell them I choose not to waste my testosterone on hair follicles. There you go. There you go. I like that. Brett, I'd like to bring this. uh, First of all, thank you for sharing your journey to health. And I'd like to close this by you just giving us a bit of profound wisdom to really think about it. Not that you can outdo what you've already done, quite frankly, but what do you want us to most remember? That. Your health matters and your quality of life matters. You need to separate yourself from the disease management system as soon as possible. And you can do that by no longer consuming toxic quote unquote foods or other garbage being sold as food. Eat real food. Meat is the most nutritionally dense food on planet Earth with 98 to 99% bioavailability of nutrition versus only 2 to 4% of plants. So it just makes sense. And plants have natural toxins that uh, accumulate in our body over time. They bind and prevent the absorption of critical nutrients like calcium. They are not required for life. I am living proof after 600 in 96 days, and I do not take vitamins of any kind. I don't supplement anything. I use a little magnesium lotion on my ankles and and calves to make sure I don't cramp at night because I'm also an extraordinarily active human being. I walk 50 to 20 miles a week, plus lift weights six days a week. You're not broken. You do not have to suffer. If you get locked into the disease management, you're going to take meds that are going to manage your symptoms. Your quality of life is only going to steadily decrease. Separate yourself from that and learn 
about how to create your own health and be in control of your own health. Now, I'm not, you know, obviously, if you're injured, you need surgery, go see a doctor. That's when I go see a doctor. If I'm injured, if I ever need surgery, I'll go see one. Other than that, why do I need to go visit a physician for? I feel great, and so should you. Quit managing disease symptoms. I know no better way to close this profound entire conversation. Brett Lloyd, I'm going to come see you when I'm in Florida. I'm going to watch you sing and dance. Well, I'll appreciate you coming down and us just eating some meat together. Yeah, we'll do it. I'll bring the bacon. And, you know, just before I let you go, I, I just got a phone call from Kim Bremer, who, by the way, has not been on here for far too long. She called because uh, she was just like I am, livid about this kind of experience. And, and I recognize that one person is not uh, a scientifically uh, drawn conclusion, but there's case after case after case. People have improved their lives by changing their diet. And really, when they change their diet, and I don't know that eliminating carbohydrates is the ideal way to go. I know for a fact that's not what the dietary guidelines should say. But the dietary guidelines are inverted. They basically want to eliminate the protein and the fat, particularly from meat animals, and flip it over into a high-carb diet. It makes no sense whatsoever. That is, the, Brett is right, that is how we market or how we feed and fatten pigs yesteryear. We don't even do that anymore. And we have the Health and Human Services in cooperation with the USDA right now as we speak developing the guidelines which are going to be put forth for all of the institutions, all of the dietary requirements that are, that people have that are in hospitals and schools and the military. You know the drill. And they're not going to get the factual information. In fact, Nina Teicholz on this very program not that long ago shared with us that this committee actually said the rigorous science is not going to be included. How can you exclude? More importantly, forget about the committee. Why, why aren't 330 million Americans livid, jumping up and down, saying, why are you formulating diets when you don't look at the whole body of science about improving human life? That question needs to get louder, and that's why I suggest on a daily basis that people go to nutritioncoalition.us, nutritioncoalition.us, that is a just what it says, a nutrition coalition getting the facts. And I want you to be better armed, all of us, to be empowered with the facts about healthy living. Thank you, Brett Lloyd, for initiating a conversation that I think is way overdue. And most importantly, congratulations to you on your health journey. Mental health, if you don't have that, it's a challenge. I'm talking about me included. And we have successfully journeyed down the road connecting rural and urban America. Once again, my thanks to Brett Lloyd. All of us remind you that all roads do lead to a rural route. Today, actually, I'm spending time at Brook and Bow, Nebraska, at Lone Creek Cattle Company. I've been visiting with you about the opportunities in the branded beef program. They continue to swell. It's clear when a consumer buys food, they want fewer and fewer unexpected consequences. That's why we look at the genetic components 
the myostatin gene is present in the Piedmontese cattle, that tells the consumer consistently this beef will be tender. So what we need to do is reward you, the producer, for making that happen. Get details about how you can be a part. Uh, maybe call Marlon Will while I'm there today. You can be a part of this system and get paid properly. Details at LoneCreekCattleCo.com. Have a great evening. We'll see you tomorrow.